I'm Chris Turner, and this is Tapestry's Empowered to Connect podcast. Once again, I'm joined on the podcast by Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Hello, Chris. I wanted to have you all on this evening so we could talk about sibling relationships and rivalries. Because I don't know how it is at your house, but at my house, this is a wee bit of a problem. Yes, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I'm still stunned that it's just a wee bit. <laughs> a wee bit. Right. Well, <laughs> I was almost silent. <laughs> I wish it was a wee bit of a problem. But. Well, I thought you were going to say, I wish you were silent. <laughs> <laughs> That's a topic for another podcast. <laughs> In this episode, Ryan doesn't say anything. <laughs> that would be shocking. Shocking. Highly unlikely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's an example of banter between siblings not from the same biological mother. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yeah, I think sibling relationships are probably the hardest thing to navigate. Mm. I probably say that about a lot of topics, but (laughs) it's a hard one. I I struggled with it today. We've got a couple of kids at camp and just we've had a a long last five or six weeks of a lot of illness in our family. And Mm. so we have done a lot of television which is not normal for us and so today i declared it a screen-free day oh no and oh my goodness just trying to get them to play games together or to draw and not argue over the you know colored pencils and crayons and stuff it was it was quite interesting just the dynamics having not done a lot of that lately because Mm -hmm. just out of necessity having to do a lot of screens So, yeah, today was a struggle for me, for sure. Well, my response to that is interesting because last night they were playing cards and they started arguing about the rules of Uno. And I'm like, (laughs) they're not playing for money. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care what the rules are. (laughs) Make them up as you get. But today there was was some throwing of the Uno cards. You're not playing right. And this, that this kind from, of thing. and half the people in this Uno game can't read. Right. <laughs> well, we have the cool new um, emoji version of Uno. Oh lord! So, like the um, skip is like the poop emoji. That's, appro- the that's appropriate. Card. That's yeah. appropriate. It is appropriate. Um, it's it's quite hysterical to watch all the different emojis and what they're using the emojis for for this game. But yeah, this is the new craze in our house: is the emoji Uno game. But boy, the the rules change all the time, and you're not playing right. We tried Monopoly too; that was not going well. I don't personally like Monopoly because it takes way too long, and trying to include four year olds in Monopoly is that's, next to impossible. That's and shoots and ladders. There. Yeah, exactly, yeah. but they want to play Monopoly because uh-huh. that's what the big kids want to play. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting day for sibling relationships at my house for sure. So, what are some ways that as trauma-informed parents, we can better navigate these waters of sibling relationships and rivalries? Well, um, you know, one of the ways we, we think about that at our house, Chris, is um, coming back to this idea that, that the natural development of a child is to be uh, completely other-regulated, a crying baby. And then this, this um, place of co-regulation 
uh, and it's not just that we're helping them regulate, but we're, that we're teaching them how to regulate. Right. And then ultimately the goal of having a self-regulated individual. And so, you know, we're all in the, in the co-regulation phrase with the kids. Um, early stages where we're still overlapping um, other regulated and co-regulated some of the time. And so part of that in, in, in that, in, through that, through that phase is that we have to teach our kids how to um, navigate conflict. We have to teach our kids how to get along with other people. And so that's why the sibling thing is, is so fantastic because it is just this lab where you actually learn how to get along with people. Mm-hmm. You're just forced. It's like, it's like, you know, I learned to swim because my parents took me for swimming lessons. Mm-hmm. My dad learned to swim because somebody threw him in the deep end. <laughs> you know, and so having siblings is, is kind of like that. We all have siblings and we could probably thrill people with stories of our relationships with our <laughs> siblings. Maybe about the time I punched my brother in the face when I was 20. You know, something <laughs> like that. Uh, some interesting stories for sure. In my defense, he started it. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yes, that <laughs> so, always, typical relationship. It's always good. So, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so, you know, modeling, not just modeling it, but also instructing them in it is part of our responsibility as parents because, um, you know, Kayla and her brother are eight years apart. And, and we've talked about this before, that the, the, the gap being that large between the two of them, they don't have a typically contentious sibling relationship mm-hmm. because they weren't in each other's space. I mean, she was, you know, she was an eight-year-old kid when, this, when he was born, and so the world of an eight-year-old is a lot different. She's in high school, and he's still in elementary school. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. As I mean, he was still in high school when we got married, yeah. you know. I mean, yeah, he I mean, was, he was 14 when, when I met him. Yeah. Um, but, like, my older brother's only 18 months older than I am. So, mm. so we've always kind of been elbowing in the paint, so to speak, to try to figure out how we fit into the family, how we fit into the world. What's interesting about that is that Kayla and I tend to have a different view on, on sibling rivalry. Mm-hmm. Like, like um, I'm, I'm almost less interested in them getting along all the time than she is mm. because I feel like part of that bumping of the elbows with my, bro- my older brother particularly kind of really helped me a lot to learn how to do things in life. But we need to um, do one step better than, our, than, than happened in my childhood, and that is to come along the kids and give them the skills and the tools. Because you know what's better than figuring it out for yourself? Having somebody who loves you and is experienced to teach you how to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like sports. Right. Yeah. You, can, you can try to learn how to hit a golf club if you want to, but I promise you you'll get better at it faster if somebody who knows how to hit a golf club teaches you how to hit one. Right. And parenting's like that. Yeah, because I think the inclination of our parents' generation was just work it out. Stop Mm -hmm. tattling and work it out. Right. right? Which I will confess we have done in our household. (laughs) Well, because you get tired of the tattling. You're like, oh, please just work it out. Just figure it out. So what we've tried to do is over the years we've tried to, they learn, they they caught on to compromises with us Mm. very quickly. And so we began to then just say, why don't you ask her for a compromise? Mm. Well, they knew what that meant. And so when I would say, why don't you ask her for a compromise? They were excited about it, but couldn't always come up with a compromise. Right. And so then I would say, okay, so you want to play with that toy that she's using right now. So why don't you say, could we have a compromise? Could I play with it for five minutes and then I'll give it back to you? Or could I, 
could we take turns Mm. or could you play with it for five more minutes and then I can have a turn, you know? So I would give them one or two options of this might be a compromise you could ask your sister for, or, um, something along those lines of just kind of coaching them to use a tool that we already use in the parent child relationship and transferring it over into the sibling relationship. Mm-hmm. Cause like we've, we talked about this on an earlier podcast, you know, we use compromises as adults too with, with one another. We just Absolutely. don't call it a compromise. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But we, but we still negotiate our needs with one another. Right. We, we just don't use that term. Yeah. We call yeah. it, how can I get less of what I want so you can get more of what you want? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I just made that up on the spot, but that's good. That's, that's good. good. Yeah. I think something you said that's really key though is, is this idea of not just telling the kids, okay, go compromise with your siblings, but actually giving them the words to use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes um, the confluence of, I just wanted to stop, and the, and the assumption that they know how to do what you're asking them to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, the world's most intelligent eight-year-old is still the world's most intelligent eight-year-old. Eight right. right. And they don't have the skill set um, you know, they don't have the skill set to do these things because let's be honest, a lot of parents don't have the skill set to do these things. These are like learned skills. They right. have. Um, the compromise thing that you just said is, is not a great example of that. But some of these other things like um, give them, you know, choice giving. Mm-hmm. Hey, my eight-year-old can tell, tell their nine-year-old sibling, hey, how about um, you play for it? Uh, do you want to play for it f- with it first or can I play with it first? Right. And and that's a simple thing, and you don't say, okay, now get really close, get down to the level, raise two fingers, and talk. <laughs> you know, like one of the four-year-olds told me the other day, uh, you have two choices: you can stay downstairs or you can go upstairs. Yeah, <laughs> was so funny, and she held up two fingers and like pointed to them, so you could tell she'd had lots of choices. Yeah, she's like, you what, this choice or this choice? You know, it was so funny. It was so cute, but but it was but, cute. She, but but that but that but that kind of proves my point in the that she has. By, by just observing, learned about the choice giving thing, either observing it with other kids or herself being offered choices. Right. But when she herself then had to turn around and offer in choice, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a choice between two, um, two equal alternatives. Mm. It was you can stay downstairs or you can go upstairs. <laughs> So that's so that's a good a good example of the But developmentally as a four year old, yeah, probably made perfect sense to her. Yeah, right. no, absolutely. So. absolutely. And, and that's and I think that's a good example of why we have to give the kids the words because developmentally as a four year old, mm. that's gonna be her choices. Right. Because she's right, those are two choices. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Just like the same choice of, well, you can wear the blue shirt or you cannot go, which isn't really right. a choice, right? right? But we've done that as parents before. Yeah, right. I mean yeah. It, it is. I mean, it is a choice. It's more of a threat. It's more of a threat. <laughs> but, 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 you know, what, what we say is that it has to be, you can decide between two equal alternatives. Mm, That's right. a real choice, right? right. So, um, Which is why that example you just gave of, do you want to play for, with it first or do I want to, or do I play with it first? That's right. a good equal right. outcome choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we've also been able to see like our older kids. So now as our teenagers are getting to the place where they can watch their younger siblings or help out with their younger siblings, they are able to use some of these skills so that they're not so, because I mean, let's face it, when you, when anytime you have a sibling babysitting, the younger siblings kind of take advantage a little bit because 
they're like, well, you're just my brother. You're just my, brother, you're just right. my sister. Whatever. Why should I listen to you? Yeah. Yes. And so we've been able to see our, mostly our 14 year old use some of these skills that we use and he'll say, well, mom, I tried to give her choices. And so I, I asked her if she wanted this or this and I'm like, okay, well think about those choices. Do you think both of those are good choices? You know, so we've been able to kind of talk through how can you help your siblings when you're in charge of them? Mm -hmm. So it's a different dynamic of sibling relationships that we've gotten to. Um, But most of the time it's in conflict over a toy or an electronic or something like that. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to kind of use some of these skills like compromises and choices to help them get their needs met in the situation. And we've also been able to just say, okay, use your words because oftentimes what happens is we hear screaming from the other room of, you know, one sibling saying, don't do that. You know, that's my favorite toy. What are you doing? You know, and they have totally like flipped their lid Mm -hmm. and they're not being kind. And I could just say, use kind words or I could come over there and go, okay, how do we get our needs? How do, how do we get what we want here? Is it by yelling and screaming at someone? No. Okay. So like in our, our family, one of the things we've done is we've said, if you ask someone nicely, like let's say they're doing something annoying and you say to them, please stop kicking the back of my seat in the car or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they continue to kick the back of your seat. Well, at that point, a lot of times kids will just go, I said, stop kicking my seat. And they'll start yelling. Right. So what we've tried to teach them is ask them nicely. And then if they won't, then come ask us for help and we'll help you. Right. I but, think that's something I, I know in our family. Yeah. They struggle with a lot is that they might ask them nicely. Maybe not. But yeah, <laughs> even if they do and then it doesn't know, happen immediately. The, the annoyance thing continues. They don't come to us next. And that's the thing we keep trying to get through right. to all three of them is that, you know, at some point you do have to involve mom and dad right. to get what you want in this situation. Yes. So, And sometimes they, they don't even ask. They just come to you and tattle. Mm. And so that's kind of the where we've had to say, okay, my first question is always, did you ask them to stop? Mm-hmm. Or did you ask them for your toy back? Well, no, they just took it. And I'm like, okay. First thing you do is you use your words and you ask for the toy back. So let's try that. And then I kind of direct it back onto them Mm. so that we're forcing them to use their words to get what they need instead of just coming to us. So I think you can get two, two different types of kids. Some, some kids that immediately just go tattle to mom and dad Mm. or they try and do it themselves and they end up frustrated and yelling and, you know, hitting or whatever because it didn't happen the way they wanted it to. Well, we talk about being detectives um, all the time. And I find that in sibling conflict, a little detective work usually goes a long way because somebody will say, so-and-so hit me. And uh, for the most part, I'm pretty good about this. I don't get it right all the time. But if I'm not too distracted, I'll say, what did you do to them? <laughs> well, I hit them. Yeah. And we're surprised that they us and back. Like, <laughs> for every action, there's an equal and opposite right. reaction. <laughs> we homeschool. It's every right. moment's a teachable moment. <laughs> I also said we homeschool like I'm involved. <laughs> you did. You said that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, at the, at the root of, you know, Kayla mentioned earlier that the generally in our house, conflict comes over 
a a something. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's very rarely um, about anything else. It's about a something, and then it escalates from there. Um, and so, you know, uh, I think we've avoided it long enough, and we should probably introduce this concept because it's usually around my kryptonite. It's not fair. Oh God, some version of that, right? Um, their turn was longer than mine. Mm -hmm. um, he got to go to the thing. Why didn't I get to go to the thing? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and when you have six fair. kids and everybody thinks that just because this person got something, then I should get something, then I should get something, then I should. Can I just tell you, if you haven't started trying to make it all fair yet. Don't. Don't. <laughs> That's right. Save yourself. <laughs> Save yourself. Because we, I think we tried that at first. Like, we wanted everything to be fair. So if we went somewhere and we were getting a gift for, you know, uh, you know, we went out of town, let's say mm. we had to bring something back for everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. I went with a friend of mine on this trip and she bought something for her daughter, but didn't buy something for her son. And I was like, you're not going to get him anything. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> I know. I like, I, I felt that inside and she goes, well, there's nothing here he would want. Right. But my daughter would love this. And so I'm going to get this. And she said, I just buy them something. If I, you know, if I think about them, I'm not going to just get something just to get, to get something. something. Right. And I thought, man, I wish we had done that years ago. Because <laughs> now we're kind of in the cycle of. Well, that's what you go. Here, I'll just get back. Yeah, but it was for him. He'll be happy with that. Exactly. Well, and sometimes that is what it is. It's like literally. Oh no, what am I going to get for this? Oh, here's a candy bar. They'll be glad as long as I get them something. Well, but I think one of the things that you and I have, have done over the last few years is is when, we, when we've when we traveled, I remember when we went to Atlanta years ago and we spent a fair amount of hours on Saturday afternoon before traveling home on Sunday trying to find, uh, you know, T-shirts that said Atlanta and getting one in all of the six different sizes for the children yeah. so that everybody could have an Atlanta T-shirt. Well, oh, Lord. You know, because because of fairness, right? And then we ended up like getting like these little monkeys that had Atlanta T-shirts on, and and here's the problem with being fairness: when you try to be fair to somebody or everybody, you usually are unfair to somebody by definition. Mm -hmm. So we got these goofy little monkeys that like clip on, like hang off your backpack. They're about like I don't know, eighteen inches long. They're not very big, mm. and the little kids loved them. And like the older kids are like, "What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this?" Yeah. And, and that was kind of a bit of a wake-up moment for me. And so one of the things that we've gotten better about is that when we travel, we don't buy stuff for the kids. Right. <laughs> that was the thought that was running through my head when you were telling the story was, well, the solution to that is just don't buy anything for anybody. Yeah. Now we just get a magnet for the fridge and everybody can remember when mom or dad went somewhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, we started doing it with um, privileges. Mm -hmm. When our kids were little, we were like, well, when you're four, you get to do this. And when you're five, you get to do this. And because we had gone to, I th we had gone to some kind of a parenting conference or something. Probably. We were very enthusiastic. We were very enthusiastic. <laughs> and we'd gone to this, and we heard this, this couple talking and they said, basically, you know, every year for their kid's birthday, they got to earn a new privilege. So they got a privilege and a responsibility each year. And we thought, well, that's a really good, cool thing, mm. you know, to give each year for your birthday, you get a new privilege and a new responsibility. So, mm. you know, we learned really quickly that that's really hard to think of something new every year every for year. every kid. Right. So we were trying to say, well, when you're, you know, 
I mean, some of it was pretty lame, right? When you hit this age, you start drinking out of glass yeah, instead you of plastic. Can, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can have a glass instead of a plastic cup. Or you can have a metal fork and not an Ikea fork. <laughs> right. Oh, and some of it was, like, related to playing out in the front yard. Like, mm-hmm. you know, at this age, you can play out in the front yard with your siblings. At this age, you can ride your bike around the block. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, just little things that were kind of the privileges we were giving. But the problem that we encountered was that sometimes these privileges, while one kid was ready for it at eight, Mm -hmm. the next kid wasn't ready for it until 10. Mm. And so when we tried to arbitrarily be fair and tie it to a um, certain age, it didn't work out. And then we had to kind of go back on it. And then it was really... So we finally just said, we kind of explained it to the kids this way. We said, listen, we have to parent your needs. We have to parent Mm -hmm. what is best for you. What you can handle. What you can handle, what what is going to be the best thing for you. So I said, what if you had a broken arm and you came and you said to me, mommy, I I think I broke my arm. And I said, well, here's a Band-Aid. Let me put that on there. I wouldn't be parenting the need mm. in that moment, right? If you had a broken arm and I just gave you a Band-Aid. In the same instance, if you came in and you had skinned your knee riding your bike and I said, oh my gosh, we have to go to the hospital and get you a cast. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be giving you the same. I wouldn't be giving you what you needed mm-hmm. in that moment. And so we kind of tried to, in that regard, kind of show the kids Listen, sometimes one kid needs something that the other kid doesn't need. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, I mean, if I enrolled all my kids in musical theater camp, to be fair, mm-hmm. I would have some really disappointed kids because they hate musical theater. <laughs> right. right? I mean, so I can't enroll them all in the same things mm-hmm. all of the time. And so to try and be fair is not really meeting the needs of each individual kid and their individual, what they need and where, where they are in life, I guess. So if I, you know, I was thinking a couple of things while you were talking. Um, one of them is we're so c- culturally conditioned for fairness, right? Um, like we group kids together in school by age. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I understand why we do it because it's the easiest way to do it. But it is really an arbitrary a grouping of humans because some seven-year-olds can handle stuff that nine-year-olds can handle or whatever and some seven-year-olds can handle stuff that five-year-olds can handle and I'm not suggesting that we just sort of you know revamp the entire school system but it's in our DNA culturally to be fair and um, when we when we play along in the fairness game we actually do our children no favors because what we need to do in terms of development is to move our children from fairness which i think is a developmentally appropriate response mm-hmm. um, from fairness to justice right because because like you know when i say it's a developmentally appropriate response implied in that is that it's an immature response right right it says i only care that i'm not getting what i want i am not being treated the same Justice, however, flips that flips that around and says, "I'm concerned that that person's not being treated the way they deserve to be treated," mm. and that's part of us. Our responsibility as parents is to get out of the fairness game because it's a trap. You can't win that game. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to keep up with the Joneses. Right. Like they get a new car, we get a new car. At some point, somebody's going to lose that game, yeah. and I think that's what playing getting in the fairness trap is. You know, and and Kayla said that we were talking about we moved from everybody at age five got this, six got this, whatever. Um, we move to uh, being more 
kind of what they can handle and what their needs were. And here's an example. Our son got a cell phone at 12 years of age. We swore on a stack of Bibles that kids wouldn't, getting, wouldn't need cell phones until they had a driver's license and we needed to know that we could get hold of them. But because of some of, some of his anxieties in life, for him to just merely be able to text and ask a question, or he texts me to work with some random thing some days, you know, when he's at home, like at the table with Kayla doing a school day. Mm. And that, that is empowering to him. And so it wasn't just we're, we're giving in and letting having a phone. It was really an empowerment exercise for us because he felt connected. And he, he has like stuff that, that we do on his calendar. Mm-hmm. So he knows because he has that need of being, he needs having, to know. Needs to know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our daughter turned twelve, and we didn't even have a discussion about having a cell phone because she would have it for I don't know until the first time she went somewhere, and then she'd lose it. Mm. Right. She just she wouldn't she, have a clue where it was, and she wouldn't even realize it was missing for a week. Mm. You know. I'm like, like she's like, "Where's my iPod Touch?" I'm like, "Honey, I don't know. It's your iPod Touch." When's like, like I use it? Like I don't like. When a month we, ago? Like when, when we went to go visit mom's grandparents, and I'm like, that was like six weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, she I really... Well, I haven't needed it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, she really doesn't... Th- that kind of stuff doesn't... It doesn't cross her radar. Like, yeah. it she's wasn't not, a need she, for her. She, she doesn't, doesn't care. Need, yeah. She's not a technology kid. Give her a piece of paper and a pen and pencil, she's happy. Yeah. So she doesn't... She had no need for that. And so, therefore, we didn't think getting her one at 12 just to be fair... Mm-hmm. Was, you know, now the other kids are probably going to get to 12 and be like, well, Tyler got one at 12. <laughs> well, but, here, but here's another example. Um, and this is the last thing I'll, I'll say on it. Um, two of our daughters have ear- pierced ears. Our rule at home is when you can handle the responsibility of taking care of your ears when they get pierced, you know, cleaning them out twice a day, rotating them, and all the things you're supposed to do. One of our daughters got her ears pierced at age 12. Another one of our daughters got her ears pierced at age nine because those are the ages when they were able to handle those responsibilities. And they did. Mm-hmm. And if you're just interested in fairness, you're going to tell me that we were unfair to the daughter that we made that we, 12. 12. Yeah. But the reality was that she would not have done those things. And when you have six children and you have busy lives and you're trying to do all these things, you just at some point are not going to be able to keep up with the kids earring rotation like we had two kids on antibiotics Kayla made a chart that she stuck in a kitchen cabinet the (laughs) child's name AM PM and we had to like check through just to make sure because that's how we keep up with stuff around here right right? and so it's not being unfair what it is being is it's actually uh, being appropriate and being fair to the people and saying hey because giving somebody something they can't handle Mm -hmm. is not being fair to them it's setting them up for failure right which I don't think is fair well, and I think, and I think, our our twelve year old she recognizes that twelve was a good age for her, mm-hmm. and she didn't begrudge her sister getting them at getting earrings at nine, because which most people would not have predicted. Which mm-hmm. yes, because I think a lot of kids, if they grow up where everything has to be fair, 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 mm-hmm. then when the nine-year-old says she wants to get her ears pierced and I say, okay, the 12-year-old typically would be, well, that's not fair. I had to wait till I was 12, mm-hmm. you know? But I think our, over the last few years, at least trying really hard to parent to the need versus just parenting um, based on fairness has manifest in, there was none of that. She was excited for her sister that she was getting her ears pierced, you mm. know? 
and someone else in the house exactly yeah Yeah. Yeah. i mean and she didn't um when she turned 12 she didn't expect a cell phone Mm. because she knows herself and she knows that she would have lost it she's pretty self-aware yeah um but i don't think that's always the case though and so i think as you're trying to incorporate some of this and you're trying to say okay how can i get away from trying to be fair all of the time and parent the need you have to have a good open discussion with your kids and kind of really be talking to them about this because not every kid is going to be like that and you're going to get the it's not fair why does this kid get this and you know i remember talking to a friend about having twins and saying they're not going to be ready for the same thing at the same time Mm -hmm. and that's going to be that's going to be challenging and we have our fosternal twins Mm -hmm. and it's the same for them. I mean, they're very close now. Thankfully it's a boy and a girl. So there's some different privileges and different things. But like when it comes to cell phones, I don't know, they're nine. So when it comes to cell phones, she's going to be ready for a cell phone a lot sooner than he is Mm. in the responsibility and using it appropriately category. I know I said I had one more thing to say, (laughs) but I really have one more thing to say. Because I think, because I think we would not, we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't just get this out there. Because I've had families tell me, and I've had pe- sat in audiences where people have actually said this from the stage, when their children came to them and said it was not fair, their their, their biological children saw their foster child get a privilege or something that the bio kid didn't get, and the bio kid at you know at a young age, teenage, whatever, and it was like preteen, the story. Um, went to their mom and said, it's not fair. And their mom very proudly told a whole, a, a large room full of people that she told her daughter, well, it's not fair that their life has been difficult and yours hasn't. And so we're making up for that now. And so I think, wow. so, so there's a, there's a lot wrong with that. Yeah. But, but the real thing that's wrong with that is that is if you thought the sibling rivalry was bad, it, you have now f- thrown fuel on that fire right? because you have told that child, you are not, you're going to be treated differently to this other person because I'm going to make up for their life experience and take it out of your hide, mm. so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Right. You're going to pay the price for their, for their life experience. And that is absolutely completely wrong. And if you disagree with that, then you can email us. Uh, <laughs> Tavistry at irvingbible.org. Yeah. Thanks, because okay, I answer that. Okay, okay, they'll forward it to me. But, but you, can't, you can't make your children who are already in the family, whether they're born to you or adopted by you, uh, your, your kids, your permanent forever kids, you cannot make them feel bad and tell them, well, you don't get anything because your life's in a better place than this other person's and we're going to make up for that. that that's, just, that's just wrong to do that to a child. Yeah. I think in the end, what it boils down to is, is what we, we keep coming back to. You have to do the detective work yep. for your individual child and work on yeah. your connection. And then I think if you're deeply connected with your kids, and like you said earlier, Kayla, you're parenting to the need, then yeah. slowly, and it is going to be slowly, over time, the fairness thing will kind of fall away. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And those sure. relationships between the siblings will get will get easier. Yeah, yeah. That's what we've seen at our house. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd like to thank Ryan and Kayla for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Christopher. If you have a question for us that will fit into 140 characters, you can tweet it to us at Tapestry IBC, and we'd like to thank Penelope for being the first person to tweet a question to us, which we hopefully 
answered tonight. If you require a bit more room, you can email us at the aforementioned tapestry at irvingbible.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Tapestry IBC. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or the Google Play Store. Just search for Tapestry Adoption Podcast. If you've enjoyed and gotten value from our podcast, we would appreciate a review in either location. Empowered to Connect is the training and support community of Tapestry, the adoption and foster care ministry of Irving Bible Church in Irving, Texas. You can check the show notes for relevant links from this episode and find more resources on our website, empoweredtoconnect.org. Thank you for listening.